just imagine this. You have this beautiful lesson plan laid out before you on your music stand at the front of the room. You have all of your manipulatives beautifully lined up on your whiteboard. You're ready for your children to come in and sit down on their on their sit spots and just be ready to rock and roll inside of your music class. But what happens? The clock clicks, kids run through the door, three little girls come up and show you the rock that they found on the playground today that is just so, so special, and they're just bursting to tell you all about it. And before you know it, you spent five or more minutes of your precious 30-minute music class just trying to get things going. Well, today, friends, we're going to talk all about how to prevent that from happening. Today on the Anacrusic Podcast, episode number 126, we are talking all about opening routines. Maleski and I've helped music teachers just like you get more intentional in their classrooms through my trainings, curriculum, and tips shared on this podcast. The truth is, teaching music is hard. You have a bunch of kids to teach and not a lot of free time to figure out how. Feeling overwhelmed and frustrated is totally normal. But here's the good news. It only takes a few simple steps to flip the script. And although it may be simple, it's definitely not easy unless you have the right toolkit. So let's start tuning and transforming your music teacher life right now. The actual steps you need to find the purpose, follow a sequence, and choose joy are right here. This is the Anacrusic Podcast. All right, so let's just go ahead and get the big elephant out of the room right off the bat. It has been a year. You might not have kids in person yet. You might not have kids in your classroom yet. Just now at the beginning of May, you might be starting to welcome some of those students back to in-person music, or you might still be virtual for the rest of the year and maybe even to start next year. No matter what, we are starting to get a little bit closer to normal. And even though we're sort of wrapping up the academic year, at least here in many places in the United States, even if you have one or two months to go, or even if you feel like you've been in survival mode, one of the things that really helps me to reset and to transition well is to really find a place where I can anchor myself. And what I mean by anchor myself is hang on to those things that I know to be true, that I know to be good teaching, and that I know to be successful inside of my music classroom. And for me, that is having certain routines and procedures in place that not only help the flow of my lesson, but sets my kids up to be really, really successful no matter what it is that we're going to be doing. So today we're talking about how to create an opening routine. And this is not going to be me telling you specifically, this is exactly what you need to be doing at the start of every music class. Like, yes, there are some specific things that I personally like to do, but I'm more interested in the goals that we have when it comes time to implement an opening routine to start one and why we need to even be doing it in the first place. So that very vivid example I gave you at the opening of today's episode is probably something that you have experienced in some way, shape, or form. And it really happens when you have your kids come in, they need to sit down, maybe you're being asked to take attendance, or maybe there's just sort of some weird transition points for your students as they are coming into the music classroom. Even if they do come in in a pretty orderly fashion, there's a pretty big shift that happens when your kids go from recess or their classroom, or the lunchroom, or PE, or art, or whatever it might be, and then 
physically move spaces into the music room and have to sort of um, like restart their systems to get ready to go for music class. And so there are two huge goals that I have for every single opening routine that I have in my music classroom. The first is I want to set the tone for what I'm doing that day. So that not only means what my concept is, what my learning target might be, which we're going to get to in just a moment, but also just what's the tone for the day? What types of activities are we going to be doing? In my classroom, that tends to be a lot of being up and actively making music and doing movement and instruments and singing and playing games. And so I want to have a little bit of that ready to go right off the bat. The other thing is I do want to address that learning target because there's a really famous quote by Dale Carnegie that says, tell the audience or our students what you're going to say, say it, and then tell them what you've said. So listen to that again. Tell the kids what you're going to teach them teach them, and then tell them what you taught them. So in my lesson structure, if we were to kind of step back a little bit and talk about things outside of just an opening routine, my entire lesson structure is just like that. So the kids come in the room, we're setting them up for success with the lesson by telling them or at least hinting or experiencing things close to what we're going to be doing in our lesson. We have our lesson and then we close out the lesson by recapping what we've already done, which is something that we'll talk about in the next podcast episode. So I wanna make sure that I set the tone for that music class by not only addressing the different types of active music making we're going to be engaging with, but also to sort of hint at whatever that curricular objective might be that's tied to all of the active music making we'll be doing. And then the second big goal, to be very honest with you, when my kids come in the classroom, is to start making music right away. To find a way to either meet them at the door, have them come in singing, and we'll talk about all that in just a moment, but something that gets them engaged and ready to go right off the bat. One of the very first things that I learned or or finally figured out when I took my Kodai levels was that every single time I looked at a lesson plan or every single time one of those master teachers did a demo lesson for us, they always started with singing. And I don't mean they waited for the kids to come in and sit on their sit spots and be quiet and looking at the teacher and singing. I mean like meet them at the door, play a follow the leader game to get them in a circle or get them to their spots or whatever it might be all while singing and actively making music. And I think that that is the key to a really, really successful opening routine. Making sure that you're setting the stage for whatever's gonna happen in your music lesson and making music right away. As a quick aside, thinking about the start of your music classroom as a transition, not necessarily for you, but also for you because you've likely been teaching like a million other grade levels that day or at least other children. So it's a little bit of a transition or a lot bit of a transition for you to start a new class, but it definitely, definitely is for your kids. And as an aside and something that I'm sure we'll talk about later, but if you were to take a video of your teaching or just really reflect on your teaching, I think that you would notice that the times that you felt like things didn't go as well as they could have or you lost the kids a little bit always happens in that transition time between activities, even within your music classroom. Actually, this would be a really great thing to talk about on a podcast, so just plan on it later on. But in keeping that in mind, that the transition time is really, really difficult for kids, whether it's in the music classroom, between the music classroom and another classroom, or just life in general, knowing that should 
give us the opportunity to have some extra care when it comes time to create some opening routines that we know can benefit them and get their little brains ready to go right away. So think about that opening part of your lesson as kind of that that transition startup, if you will, and and an opportunity to help your kids be really, really successful and prime their brains for that music learning. So if we think about those two main goals of setting the tone for your music class and getting the kids making music right away, I want to address two sort of misnomers, maybe, or just misunderstandings, I guess, when you hear the term opening routine, right? The idea, at least for me and all things anacrusic and everything that I talk about with teaching is that it's very fluid and fluid in the sense that we can be really flexible based on what we need as teachers and what our students need as well. All of us being musicians and needing that opportunity to express our individuality and our creativity, but also just adapt to based on what's needed for what's happening in your classroom. So the fact that we have an opening routine, I think as long as your routine or whatever that opening sequence or that opening segment of your lesson looks like, I think as long as it's always keeping those two goals at the forefront, it's our routine, right? Our opening routine is always to get kids making music right away and set the tone for our class. So if those are always the two things, like that's that's our opening segment goals, I guess. So that doesn't mean you always have to meet the kids at the door and always sing snail snail. It doesn't mean you always have to sing the same welcome song. It doesn't even mean you have to sing a welcome song. It doesn't imply that it's specifically these set of activities that make the opening routine successful. Now, I have found personally that it's helpful for me and it's been helpful for my kids, especially my itty bitties, to have a series of things that gets them making music and feels really familiar and comfortable to them as they come into the music room. So let me just go ahead and walk through an example of an opening routine with with my younger students. So like K through second grade, sometimes even third grade, especially at the beginning of the year. And this is assuming that we're not um, necessarily in, in the middle of pandemic teaching although I know currently, if you're listening to this podcast in real time, we are. Um, But this can be adapted with social distancing and masks and all that good stuff as well. So what I like to do is when my students are coming into the classroom is I begin to sing a known welcome song. So I usually have about three to four different hello songs or welcome songs are just well-loved songs. It doesn't have to say hello. It doesn't have to have students' names in it. Sometimes it's nice if it does. But when they come in the room, I start singing and they know it and they just know that it's time to start singing and get to their, their assigned spots for the beginning of class as soon as possible. Now, as another aside, I feel like I'm like talking in parentheticals today, but as another aside, one of the things that I do the first couple weeks of school is really, really practice procedures. So students know when they walk in, they automatically go to their spots singing, um, and it's not something that we have to talk about. So um, that's something that we address in the first couple of lessons, but I'm talking about once things are rocking and rolling and kids are inside of your classroom, like they just know. They walk in the room, they hear me singing. If it's an unknown song, they know just to listen listen and go to their spots and be ready for what's next. Then something else I like to do is to have them stand up and do just a really quick series of stretches um, and be ready to rock and roll singing some more. And with my with my younger students, I do start with singing every day. Um, with my older students generally too, you know, the, the singing is the foundation of what my, my students are basing all of their music learning on in the classroom. Um, you know, a, a melodic element is experienced through the voice, and most often a 
uh, rhythmic element is experienced through the spoken voice. And so that tends to be the jumping off point for me always in my classroom. So I just tend to do a lot of things with singing right off the bat, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to do other forms of active music making even within that opening routine. So that's a really, really important distinction. So with my younger kids, after they've come into the classroom singing, found their spots, we've done some quick stretches together, they'll sit down with an RLQ, and then we'll take a quick peek at our learning target for the day, for our lesson objective that is written in the student's language. And this is something that you can go listen to some other podcasts that I've done about learning targets, if that's a new concept for you. But just a quick description is that um, in Almost all, if not all, my teaching scenarios, it was suggested, required, encouraged, whatever you want to say, to have that learning target posted on the whiteboard in a place where students could reference it. And in order to keep true to that Dale Carnegie quote that I I shared with you at the beginning of today's episode, I always like to include that in my opening routine very, very quickly. So if my students have been stretching, 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 singing, 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 and I say, I'll sit down, and they have a seat, then I go over and point to the board, and I say, today in music, and they repeat, I will, they repeat, and then whatever the learning target might be. So that gives us a reference point for me to tell them what I'm going to teach them, And then we get into the lesson and we'll teach them or they'll experience the thing. And at the end of the lesson, we'll go back and touch base again with that learning target and some assessment strategies for the students to know whether or not they've gotten it. Right. So that is a part, an important part of my opening routine, regardless as to whether or not I'm doing this very specific step by step thing with little kids or if I'm doing something a little bit more holistic, experiential, not so procedural with my older students. Remember your first term of teaching, learning all the skills that you don't get taught in music school, managing a transitioning culture in your classroom, finding out that you have to teach guitar this term. During those early years, we found out that leaning on a community of music educators was important, not only for building that knowledge in ourselves, but also maintaining enough sanity to serve the students right in front of us. Amused is a podcast centered around a community of music teachers. Between the four of us, we teach choir, band, orchestra, general, jazz, and marching band at the elementary through collegiate levels. We certainly don't have all the answers, but you're welcome to listen in while we try to find them. Join us while we work through the challenges of music teaching and celebrate the joy of bringing music making into the lives of young people. In each episode, you'll hear stories, both good and bad, about that week of teaching, and we'll try and tackle an issue that one of us is struggling with. Something we're all taught is that music brings people together, but being the only teacher in your subject at a site can be really isolating. We think everyone ought to be a part of a community, and you're welcome to come join ours. Episodes come out on Wednesdays during the school year, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts and at amusedcast.org. Okay, so we've done the walk in the room singing a hello song. We've done the stretches. We've done the learning target. Now I might move into what you could call a song bouquet. So a collection of well-loved songs that we know, whether they're greeting songs, whether it's um, a song that we're going to use later in the lesson. It's just kind of like a quick opportunity to keep warming up our voice. Um, This could turn into some solo singing or some patterning with your students, kind of one-on-one or as a group. Um, Whatever your focus is, whatever that learning target is for the day, this is a really good chance to do some echo imitation stuff um, just to get their their vocabulary fresh in their brain. So if you're going to be working on quarter rest, maybe you'll do things like ta, ti, 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 ta, and the kids repeat, and then ta, 
ta-ti-ta, have them repeat and clap, all that kind of stuff. Um, or if you are preparing to have a discovery moment or a literacy moment with a specific element, maybe you want to sing through that song and show the motives and show the contour and show the rhythm and all of that kind of stuff. But this is sort of my place to do that, to get whatever songs or whatever repertoire or whatever stuff we're going to be using in the meat of the lesson in their brains, kind of spiraling or whirling around so that they can pull from it later on when we're going to do some more deep dive analysis type of stuff. And then last but certainly not least, I definitely want to get them moving. So whether it's taking those patterns and stepping them in space in a very Dalcrosian inspired type of thing, or doing a little bit of Ella Jenkins walk and stop with a drum, um, having them experience different meters, um, or different dynamics or different expression types of things, or maybe it would be some sort of keeping the beat exercise where they're doing some active listening and responding or leading some beat motions, whatever it might be, just something to get that embodied music making, rocking and rolling. And then we move on to the meat or the next lesson segment. So for my younger students, that's what that opening routine looks like. They come in singing while they go to their spots. We do a quick stretch. We take a look at the learning target we sing through a couple of songs, we warm up our bodies with some embodied music making, and then we are off to the races with whatever our lesson might look like. Now, there may be some days that that is exactly what your kids need. And like I said, I find that having that structure, that really specific sequence of we always do this entrance song, we always do like a little bit of stretching, we always do this, that, and the other thing really helps my younger students to have like those couple of moments of transition time that's really important for them to get ready to rock and roll inside of music class. With my older kids and with my younger students, depending on what the learning target is for the for the day because we remember we always want to be fluid and flexible depending on what the content or the experiences inside of our music lessons are going to be. But depending on what's going on for the day, I might just dive right in. And I tend to do this more with my older students. And it's not that they don't need the the patterning or they don't need the opportunity to stretch or any of that kind of stuff. It's just that sometimes all of that is pretty embedded in what what we could be doing inside of an activity. So say for example, we're working on syncopate and one of my favorite songs and games, and I feel like I talk about it on podcasts all the time because I feel like a lot of folks know it. If you don't, go check out the New England Dance Masters website for Alabama Gal. So that's a great song to meet third or fourth grade at the door and have them sing it and then motion for them to get in a lawn way set while you're singing the song. As they're still doing that, you could ask them to please put the words inside their brain. So if you're going, um, come through in a hurry, put the words inside your brain and just start clapping as they're going around and getting, and you can even give instructions while they're doing it. I'm surprised I could talk and clap at the same time, but if you could still give instructions while they're doing that and you're isolating whatever the content might be for that song, then they're in their lawn way set, they're, they're getting ready to sing, and after they get done clapping, you can say, now you sing and here you go, come through in a hurry, and then you could stop them, take a peek at the learning target today in music, I will identify Cinco Pop patterns or whatever it might be, and then jump back in and just play the game. And then maybe if you want to have a chance for them to early identify some patterns in the middle, you can stop them, motion for them to stop, and then just do some patterning work back and forth and then continue the game. 
So even though we haven't gone through like a very specific set of things that they can expect each and every time, they know that when they come into the music classroom, they're going to immediately start making music. That was one of our big goals. And secondly, they're going to know what the lesson focus is, which we can still do if we're doing an activity. Sometimes I think that our brains want to go to the sequence and we think, okay, if I'm going to do Alabama Gal, we're going to play Alabama Gal, then I'm going to do the patterning, then I'm going to show them the learning target, and then we can go back and play more of Alabama Gal. But it can really exist more fluidly than that. I really think that there's ways that you can keep the momentum going. Like I like I explained um, just a couple minutes ago with some sun instructions or just some nonverbal communication pointing to different directions in the room, especially if they're used to that. Because even if they don't have that step-by-step thing that I outlined for, for younger kids that I tend to use for younger kiddos, they would still expect that within the context of that first activity, they're going to make music, but they're also going to know what's happening inside of the lesson. So this is something that can be really, really successful. Again, I find that it works better with your older kiddos, but even with your younger kiddos, if they know what to expect, as long as it's a routine in the sense that they know what to expect, I think it's super, super successful. So let's go ahead and do a quick recap. So just as a reminder, that opening segment, that opening routine is really only looking at accomplishing two goals, however you want to structure it, whether one of those examples works beautifully for you in your classroom, or you can find a different way to, number one, set the tone for what you're doing that day, and number two, start making music right away, we are 100% in business. So we always want to start with making music, but again, it doesn't always have to be singing. You know, maybe for you, you're going to be doing a lot of work with movement, with active um, embodied music making inside of your classroom that day. And so you want your students to come in and be listening to something. So they're going to come in and maybe they're going to sit down as they're doing some active listening. And you can do some nonverbal communication to get them primed for that type of content in your class that day. Or maybe they're going to be walking in and you're going to be drumming patterns and echoing for them to clap them back to you. And then you motion for them to get hand drums and you have a big drumming activity that's a big meaty part of your lesson that day. So it doesn't always have to be a song. Again, I tend to start with singing or speech just because that's the foundation of everything that I do in my classroom. And then I go to those other forms of active music making, like body percussion and instruments, whether it's unpitched or barred um, movement, all of that other stuff after we've done some things with singing and speech. So that tends to be where my lessons start. But how Ever making music exists for you that day is appropriate and what you should be doing inside of your opening routine. So we want them to be making music. We want them to set the tone for what they're going to be doing musically that day. And also just like, oh yeah, these are our expectations for the music classroom. That's important too. We want to give them that learning objective, that learning target for the day. Um, Again, we want to tell them what we're going to teach them, teach them, and then tell them what we taught them, which is what we'll talk about next week. And then we also want to give them the tone for the class. So making music in the way that we are going to in the lesson, thinking about the learning target and what kinds of expectations that might bring forward for your students in terms of what they're going to be doing that day, because kids like to know. And, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing. I know lots of folks, um, 
like having a visual schedule of like what's happening in your music room. And I think that that is a great thing to do. And I think that the first step in making that happen is having that posted learning target and making sure that you address it and think about these two goals for your opening routine in your music classroom each and every single time that you plan. So I hope this this was helpful, tripping over my words left and right today, but I hope that this was helpful. If you have any questions whatsoever, let me know and stay tuned for the next podcast episode because we talked about telling them what we'll teach them. We've talked tons about teaching them. So next time we're gonna talk about telling them what you taught them. The Anacrusic Podcast is a proud member of the Music Teacher Development Podcast Network. The Muted Network provides support in the form of audio on-demand programming designed by and for music educators. You can find more information about our network at mutedpodcast.com. Thanks for spending this little pocket of your day with me. I know music teachers are super strapped for time, so be sure to check out all the resources on anacrusic.com for today's episode. Don't forget to click subscribe wherever you're listening to today's podcast so you don't miss an episode of TAP. That way, you'll be notified each and every week when a new episode's live. And if you want even more tips and tricks delivered to your inbox, like a little love note from me to you, make sure you sign up for the Anacrusic newsletter and you'll be the first to know all the things. Also, if you are feeling today's episode, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram and Facebook. And I'd love you forever if you take a hot minute and leave a review. See you next time.